to end dark places. Impossible is nothing. Here is my co-host, friend to the woodland wildlife, Mr. Jimmy Haunted. Junebug! Hey, Jimmy. How are you? friends with all the small woodland creatures <laughs> in the flora and fauna of the world. Hey, Junebug. How, hey. how you doing? How I am. Oh, <laughs> I don't have anything prepared today. But, off the top of my head, I am happier than the bar-tailed godwit feeding on some bristle worms and shellfish on an Irish coastal mudflat, humming the tune from Little House on the Prairie like he's freaking Michael Landon or something. <laughs> Very happy. <laughs> Let me some Little House on the Prairie. That was good. You know, <laughs> do you remember how happy you were when you were a little kid and, um, you know, Pa came down and said, hey, tonight Pa's going to play the fiddle for us. And they all sit around all huddled in a little corner and a little Pa would do his little smiley dimples and play the fiddle for him, and every <laughs> smiling. I look now and say, "What a jerk!" I, oh, here he comes again with his fiddle. <laughs> Enough already. Overkill. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cared about that fiddle. Tell <laughs> you right now. <laughs> That's all I want to say. Yeah, they were easily entertained. <laughs> Check it out. Here is your Nicholas Cage meltdown of the week. It's ironic, but people like you who try to help have been torturing me, in the full sense of the word, since I was three years old. What do they call it? Uh, oh, yeah. Observed play therapy. Featuring the marathon 36-hour, can you guess the next flashcard game? So please, leave me alone and let me live some semblance of a normal life. This is your In Dark Places news correspondent, Mr. Haunted, with some breaking news. This story comes out of Texco Guerrero, Mexico. Apparently... It was an alien mummy found. The military doctor, Pablo Enrique Garcia Sanchez, who leads an association named Nahui Olin, according to social networks, presented this afternoon the finding of an apparent mummy that, according to the researcher, belongs to an unknown culture that inhabited southern Mexico. According to information from some local Facebook pages, the discovery was made in some tunnels in the city of Taxco, a town famous for its silver mines and crafts. In the photographs, you can see some humanoid figures, as well as a skull that Garcia Sanchez says belongs to an alien. You can also see some carved objects with a popular figure given to aliens, big eyes, the oval head... The publication has gone viral on social networks and has unleashed all kinds of comments from those who assure that the doctor is a serious person and that his research is real to others who react with humorous and mocking comments. And here we'll go to the uh, little comment section. 
Okay, this little mini scientist right here. There is no wear on the surface of the deck which does not concur with being an ancient mummy. Being real is super dangerous to take the object without adequate protection for both the object and the one who handles it. Being real could entail the risk of having pathogens inside that can be potentially dangerous for the beings of this planet. If they are beings from other worlds, where is some piece of their technology? A piece of alloy that would show enough, but a civilization that could travel light years, all it has are wood carvings. I don't deny the existence of life in other worlds, but we are not special and there's no reason for other civilizations to spend time in this world. Another fella says, What if it is people who were born with syndromes? And in those times, the ancients considered it an oddity, and now they say they are aliens. And then there's people that say this is just totally fake. Well, I guess we'll never know, but hopefully we'll have some breaking news in the future about this alien mummy from Taxco, Mexico. Back after this. Jimmy, we got a guest this week. Hmm. <laughs> And no. messy. I believe she flew in all the way from Ireland to be with us today. You are correct. Long distance. It, well, introduce this guest <laughs> that's walking down from the In Dark Places green room as we speak. And Messi is the author of Dark Emerald Tales. She has a paranormal group called the Irish Paranormal Investigations. Join us all the way from Ireland. Here is Anne Messi. Oh, hey. Hey, hey, here I am, surprise! <laughs> Fresh out of the green room. Come sit down right over here. Oh, you know what? We should have done a, uh, uh, a sponsor. Like she's oh, eating yeah. her Wheaties back there or something. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> you know, you know, Anne, we, 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 before we start with your stories, uh, we did prepare a game for you today. Okay. And it's called Scary Movie Celebrity Birthdays. Woo-hoo. Hey, woohoo! I know you're a fan of this feature. And um, it, let me tell you, it, it wasn't a banner week for celebrity birthdays at all. It wasn't very good. Most of the people now, um, they're. It was a good week for. It'll say, like, this person's a TikTok star or <laughs> uh, a YouTube star. And I never heard of them before. So I did once from the old-fashioned days. Okay? So, for example, so these are people that are having a birthday upcoming, and you're going to guess how old they are. Our first scary movie celebrity birthday is Cameron Diaz on August 30th. She's known for her roles in The Mask, There's Something About Mary, Charlie's Angels, and was the voice of Princess Fiona in the Shrek movie series. How old will Cameron Diaz be next week? Hmm. 
48. That, that sounds close. I want to go with 49, just to be different. I'd say you're both right in the ballpark. She's turning 50. Hey. Good job. And she's being honest about her age. Do you ever have those ones where the, you're like, hang on, love. You used to be 20 years older than me, and now I'm five years older you know, than you. We <laughs> caught someone doing that, one of these celebrities that we did. Like they, uh, Jennifer went to school with her. With uh, Jennifer's husband went to school with a girl. She goes, "No, she graduated with me. She, she's like thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this guy here, this guy here has a, a birthday on August thirty-first coming up, and his name is Richard Gere, known for American Gigolo, Pretty Woman. Unfaithful and 2002's Mothman Prophecies. I was going to yeah. say the Mothman Prophecies. <laughs> that was a good movie. That's How great. old will the American Gigolo be on uh, August whatever? He's an old bugger, isn't he? So I'm going to say 71. I'll say 66. Pick up sticks. He will be 73 years old. Wow. <laughs> Holy mackerels. And this one here, we have to give, uh, it's not really a scary movie, but we have to give this woman credit before it's too late. <laughs> Barbara Eden. Oh, wow. After some early appearances in I Love Lucy, Perry Mason, Gunsmoke, and the Andy Griffith Show, she got the role of Jeannie in the TV series I Dream of Jeannie, which ran from 1965 to 1970. So this woman who was already acting before I was born, she's still alive. Barbara Eden has a birthday. Let me tell you the exact date here. Well, she's not just well-preserved. No. Well, she's a genie. <laughs> I don't know. Her birthday's coming up, though. Oh, August 23rd. Barbara Eden. Jeannie. Yes. How old? All right, let's do some math. 92. Hmm. I was going to say 83, but that seems really young now compared. <laughs> but uh, I think you're right. <laughs> Barbara Eden will be 91 years old. Holy cow. I think, I think you're three for three. Very good. We're gonna keep we're gonna stop there to keep your streak. But um thank you. And that does it for scary movie celebrity birthdays. Good job. Thank you. I have the work sports poker face too, because when you when you guess, I, I, I go like this, or <laughs> like, I, I can't hide my my feelings. And I have my son Brandon on. Sometimes he's twelve now, and whenever he was just a baby, he loved Riverdance. So it comes full circle now. <laughs> I'm going to see Riverdance again next week at the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin. It's my third oh, time. Very cool. We just can't let this go, Jubug. 
How did it happen that he fell in love with Riverdance? I don't know. Yeah, that's he, actually a good question. He loved it. He would see like the commercials and stuff come up on TV. Uh, they were doing like a tour or something, and it would play like little clips of it. And he would just raise up and start dancing, and he loved it. So we'd start finding videos on YouTube, and just he would watch them for hours at a time, just dancing all over the room. He Maybe he had a it. past life. He was a Riverdance. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. He's Michael Flatley. Yeah. yeah he, he you know what? It real early. In in my past life, I was Michael Chubbly. <laughs> See, that's funny because flat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, clear off that bit of tumbleweed that just went past your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> the crickets and tumbleweed, all by all by myself. <laughs> but I I love Riverdance actually because not only was it written by a man from Limerick, which is where I'm from in Ireland. But it is it delves right back into the ancient folklore of Ireland and brings it through with the history. So it is it's more than just dancing like it it's everything we love. You know, I have a I have a question that you brought up Limerick in Ireland. What am I? I just want your your um your theory on this. Now I looked I looked up how big Ireland is in comparison to United States. They said you could fit 140 Irelands in the United States. Why is Ireland so haunted in that little space? Because comparatively. It's, it's not about geography. It's about history. And it's about the inhabitants. We had inhabitants going back over a much longer period over all of Ireland, whereas in the US it was pocketed. And you know what's funny? Sizes and everything. <laughs> hey, it's a PG program. No, really. <laughs> no. You know what's funny is that like when when one of my friends go to a uh, you know a house to investigate and they're like, well it's this house is over a hundred years old. So, like, a hundred, you love places thousands of years old. Very cool. That's it, exactly. I have I have a friend from up the north, Andy, and when he gets in a rail online with somebody from America, he always goes, I'm sitting on a chair that's older than your country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over here, we're even talking about that was built like in the 70s or something like it's super old but there's nothing but what I, what i do believe in is layers of haunting as you have layers of layers history. layers just because you might have a new house but it might be built where there was a castle and before that there was a viking settlement and before, a prime example of that is the hellfire club because do, 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 because of course <laughs> it, it was a, a Viking settlement. Uh, it was home to druids. It did have people living on it normally. It then lent itself to uh, William Conley, who then built his hunting lodge, who then sold it on, and thus the Hell Club came into being. But that you've got all those layers. So when I go and investigate there, I don't just call out to the members of the Hellfire Club. I'll be calling out to the ancient Druids. I'll be calling out to the Vikings. And you get more activity in the woodland that surrounds the Hellfire Club 
than you do in the Hellfire Club itself. It does help that the estate that it's a part of, Massey's estate, is actually from my ancestors. <laughs> my he, he the the guy uh, that had it was Sheriff of Limerick, a direct descendant of which I am, and he married into the White family and got the land and created Massey's estate. You know what my ancestors did? Nothing! Breed ra- I was going to say breed raccoons. They gave me grief. <laughs> Do you have raccoons in Ireland? Not that I'm aware of. We have a stray rabbit that keeps calling. I guess a lot of countries are looking at my video. They, we don't have raccoons. They don't have Yeah, them. you don't. I know. It's strange. They're cute. And I did specifically look up birds that were indigenous to Ireland for my happier than segment today. Oh, so that, very uh, good. So whatever creature actually, I mentioned. Actually, because I have this, this up here, but I show you here. See that? That is Birds of Ireland, Facts, Folklore, and History. What a quinky dink. I think I talked about the bar. What is the bar-tailed something? Yeah. I haven't finished reading that one, but and funnily enough, I didn't know about that book's existence, Birds of Ireland, Facts, Folklore, and History by Dean Anderson. I look it forward my, to you reading that and sharing it with it's me. My, um, my Italian friend, uh, she's awesome. She, she actually got it. Uh, she's the only ginger Italian that I know. She looks oh, Irish. Very rare breed. Very rare breed, like the birds. So, um, and she's a bird. Not she told me about it, and it's just well, full of amazing folklore um, connections of birds. Uh, Ornamentacy, as we call it, and um, you know how they're used as omens in Irish folklore. And if you have one tapping on the window, you're in trouble. Thanks called the, it was called the bar-tailed godwit. So we'll look forward to that one. Yeah. So there's there's birds sending terrible omens. Yes. <laughs> and the banshee so, can turn herself into a raven as needs be. And that was on my list uh, of <laughs> questions. <laughs> my dude. Yeah. Can you tell us if if no one ever heard of a banshee? What's a banshee? A banshee is. Um, an, an harbinger of death. <laughs> she is either linked to, she goes back to the, the, the days of the fairies and the goddesses and the demigods and um, kind of as a descendant from that where she is either attached to a particular family. Traditionally, it's the families that start O's uh, and Max. Um, so my mum is O'Connor, and she grew up here in the Banshee when her her relatives would pass out in the country up the road there. Um, uh, but she can also be malevolent, and you know she's she's not like a tide agent. Uh, if the mood takes her, she will she will be upon you. She takes the form um, to trick people sometimes as a beautiful woman, uh, sometimes as an old washerwoman. But primarily, she she'd be a hag, a skeletal with the long, white, wild hair and wild eyes and the long nails, like you'd expect hags to look. 
And if you hear the scream, you're okay. It's if you see her that you're in trouble. And if you see a silver comb on the floor, never pick it up because that's her law. Once you've picked it up and touched it, she has your soul. What is this silver what? Comb for your hair. Comb? Mm. You know what? I think I found a silver comb before. That explains so much. <sighs> this is the answer to all my problems. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you get into all this stuff, Ann? Um, well, growing up and, and being back and forth between here and, and um, where I was schooled in England, um, just, the, you know, being told, they weren't told the stories, you know, the ghost stuff was never told, oh, there's this wild tale of this or, or my grandmother, when she died, I, I heard the banshee and they're told as accounts. This happened to me. I had that, like my mum. One of the first things I remember, she should probably been telling me this stuff when I was four or five years old, but she did, and I've been in it every time, every ever since. And um, she she'd tell me uh, the Cork Road, um, just uh, literally a mile and a half away from me now. Um, she and her friend were walking back. They they'd been to the cinema, walking back, and as you can imagine. No street lights, no footpaths, it's proper kind of rural. And uh, the houses were very far apart and they were walking along and they saw a, a man with a stick, an old fella, and he kind of dropped his cap, cap at them and they said hello. Didn't recognise him, assumed he was visiting whatever occupant of the house. Uh, walking further up, they could hear the tap, tap, tap of his stick behind them and there he was in front of them at the next gate and they ran like the wind uh into they only have one more house to go into the friend's house uh dragged the brother out of bed went up and down the street in his bicycle and there was absolutely nobody there <laughs> and it that's she has never wavered from that particular story or account and the gate that she referred to is still there um, so, you know, I, I, to me, it became a, a way of life rather than something I got into. And it did help that the time I did live over in Kent in England, we lived in a really, really spooky Victorian mansion that Scooby-Doo would be proud of. That's what I was going to ask. Did you have any experience as a child growing up? Yeah. Yeah. I even saw... Um, my grandmother, the footpath, um, dressed very smartly, wearing a hat. I can still picture it now, wearing a, a smart hat as if she was dressed for going to church or something. And um, I'd run in and said that I'd seen her. And um, my parents were looking at me in shock because the, the news had come through that she'd passed away. Um, and I described an outfit, and it's one that they were aware of, but uh, it was a time she'd worn it way before I was born, and I'd never seen it. Um, so, make <laughs> well, that what you will. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
and, and, and I mean, it's gone on from there whenever a family member passes, something comes through, um, even after my, my dad had passed away. Um, my mum and we, the pair of us sat there. I was, I was 16 at the time. And there was this fruit bowl uh, and sitting in it were, were some oranges and they were firmly ensconced in this bowl. And it was underneath a, um, a, a an award thing he'd got from his job. And we were talking about him and about that particular job. And the orange just started spinning in the bowl, lifted out of the bowl and rolled across the living room. And the pair of us just looked at each other and were like, one of those things where you think you've gone crazy, but for the fact there was somebody else there to witness it with you. Um, and, and you know, I've got other family members that are even kind of more in tune with it than I am. And, you know, they get visits and dreams and things you, like that. So you, you, you write for a lot of different websites, books and um, formats. Did you ever write that story up yet? No. Because I haven't actually. Because I want to name that one the case of the spinning orange. I like it. <laughs> Good title. Or a clockwork orange. And, hey. and in Dark Places, first Doombug, I believe that was the first time the word ensconced was ever used in your program. <laughs> I think so. Thank you, Anne. Uh, and probably the last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just said it totally naturally, too. Like, whoa! <laughs> I know big words. <laughs> I didn't know that one. <laughs> Me and Jimmy did a show um, a couple months ago on like the colors of the paranormal. Uh, I was seeing on your blog about the the black hag. Can, can you tell us about that? Ah, literally just up up the road again. Limerick is amazing for fantastic locations. It's, it's got such a a rich and bloody history. You know, you couldn't ask for more. Um, and and there's it's sort of farmland and then most unassuming farmers you've ever met like you, if, if you ring them or, or you go up there you say can we go into the into the abbey ah sure yeah your grand off you go and uh, we went we done an investigation in there um it's from the road it looks like nothing like a couple of walls or whatever and you go in and it's this like little labyrinth of, of different old rooms of the abbey and, and you've got the altar and, and the the cells that the nuns used to stay in and um there's two particular um things attached to it the first is that part of the order one of the nuns um turned to the dark side to throw in a bit of star wars there for eugene buck and um <laughs> She, she began to worship Satan and perform the black arts. And that would involve, there were rumours about, you know, baby sacrifice and how she would go into the village and um, basically sell herself off um, because all that helped. Um, sexual activity helped thrive the, the black arts and so on. Um, and it got to the point where the nuns abandoned the place um and she just lived on uh no one actually knows what happened to her uh, but when they were actually doing excavations they did find baby bones in the foundations of the abbey they had an archaeological dig and they did actually find the remains of a baby and it was not buried anywhere of religious significance shall we say and the other one is the um 
Countess, um, they were down um, escaping. Um, the, there was a, a fierce rivalry between the clans and the um, as her and her husband were riding away, she, she took an arrow to the thigh and was obviously bleeding profusely and getting paler and paler. And um, he stopped at the abbey and um, for sanctuary, but then saw that his wife had died and they hastily buried her in uh, a hole beneath the altar and he carried on his way. Uh, except for the fact she wasn't dead <gasps> and um, they realised after some time that they, they were just hearing of these nuns reckon they could hear this screaming and, and what have you going on for, for months and they couldn't find the source of it and um, they finally kind of tracked it towards the altar and when they um, kind of removed the stones they found scratch marks on the stones and the woman's hands were broken and bloody from trying to <laughs> dig her way out and to this day you can hear her scream oh yeah did you write this story up yet yes <sighs> okay because when she turned to oh. the dark side yeah i, I would write it again Write it again, and I want you to call it Darth Sister. Sister <laughs> of the dark side. <laughs> there was a story here. Um, I talked about it on the show before. Uh, over toward Pikeville, Kentucky. It's about 30, 30 miles away from here. And the, back in like the early 1900s, I think it was, a uh, man had lost his wife. Uh, she came down with a sickness and uh, went into a coma, and the doctor pronounced her dead. And they buried her, and like it was like some kind of a widespread thing all throughout Pikeville. And people started waking up. They were going into these comas, and they would wake up after a few days. And then the guy was like, "Oh man, maybe she wasn't dead." So they dug her up, and there was like claw marks on top of her coffin and stuff where she'd been trying to get out. Creepy. Well, that's where the Irish weight came from. You all know about the Irish wake. I don't. Because, uh, well, it's a big thing here. And funnily enough, one of the things they used to do, and this is where the Banshee thing came down, uh, to protect the, the soul of the departed, women were hired as professional keeners to wail um, harmoniously like a Banshee over the deceased, kind of protect their soul. But the reason they're called wakes is because they had a habit of, drinking out of uh, lead and pewter tankards uh, which over time would poison them and they'd go into a coma like state so um, people would sit up all night just waiting to see if they'd come awake um, and if they didn't they'd bury them and come back and carry them drinking and that's where we got the word wake yeah. waiting to see if they wake up thank you Wow, I did not know that. And you also have, uh, there's so many things to do with burials and, and funerals here. 
um like uh for example back in the day uh if you were a man like a warrior or highest of your clan you'd actually be buried standing up <laughs> well true story yeah i just want to lay down after all that <laughs> so i shouldn't talk to you about the deviant burials and ireland having the uh the vampires and stuff long before the likes of Romania had their stories. I want to, I want to hear about the vampires. Well, they, again, you find these things out in archeological digs. Uh, there was a team, I can't remember the university, probably was university of Sligo because the place itself was Roscommon, they're kind of side by side. And um, they were, looking to find the original foundations of uh, a church that was on um on a farm and farms off you go kind of thing and they they found it and they got the edge and the boundary and they realized where the boundary was for the cemetery and everything and then they realized there was some um graves outside the boundary so they would have been on un unconsecrated ground which, if you know anything about Ireland being fairly backward, if you committed suicide or if you were a baby that wasn't baptised or anything like that, um, you weren't allowed to be buried in hallowed ground. You, you would be buried outside the walls of the churchyard or the cemetery. So they figured it was something like that, uncovered the bodies, uh, found, I think there's at least three where they were unrelated they'd, they'd done the checks but they had each one of them had their legs and arms broken and folded in uh with a great heavy boulder um where the torso is and a stone in the mouth uh the reason being is at that time in in the eighth century they believed that the uh, the mouth was actually the portal to um, the soul, and by putting the stone in the mouth, it stopped the spirit returning to body. And by um, putting the boulder on and breaking the arms and legs, the undead could not walk the earth. Oh, Isn't it great when history is better than folklore? It's real life. It's real life. Well, not for the person in the ground. That was real death. Mm -hmm. I, I just got a notification that my battery's low, and I had it charging for a whole week. So in case I just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> we love our cryptids here on the show. We talk about cryptids all the time. Uh, do you have any kind of like um, dog man over in Ireland? Oh, we have many bits and pieces. We like a serpent. We do like a serpent. Um, we have uh, Scattery Island, um, where the, the serpent was driven um, away after basically massacring the people that were on it and terrorising them. We have a mermaid in County Clare um who was murdered um by a man that wanted her and couldn't have her and as a result now she bled out in the lake and 
every year that lake turns bright red and they say that's her her reminding everyone of what happened to her we have gosh what else have we got now we have um put me on the spot now do you know one of those things where your brain just goes blank we had oh yeah we've shucks of course the, um, the the black dogs that we have one that goes around the base of St Coleman's Cathedral in uh, Cove in County Court which is home to Spike Island and where Titanic last set sail and he's guarding those within the crypt there uh, we have others in the country that are guarding lost treasure we have every variation from beaver-like to dog-like creature i mean there is a book there is a book to write which i still have on my list to do of the i i looked into it once and there's something like two or three hundred different variations of cryptids away from the fairy folk and everything else so it's 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 crazy and then we have the interesting ones that are better again, like you have your um, puka, which is of the what we call the unseely court from the, the fairies, which is a shape-shifting, um, mischievous uh, creature that likes to go around as a, a horse with glowing red eyes, uh, but will actually make your nightmares become awakening reality. And we have a witch that comes back now as um, as half horse, half witch. So yeah, we 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 have more than our fair share. If you think about it in terms of square footage, we have way more than we should. It's the history. It's the history. <laughs> I have a quick quick uh, comment. I remember about a year or two back, there was a story, and it was a true story. It was supposedly it was in the newspapers and everything. In Ireland, this mm. farmer claimed that a leprechaun went onto his farm, knocked him out with a garden implement, tied him up in the farmhouse. PG um, was amorous with him, <laughs> and it, it took him a day or two to. I don't know if his wife discovered him in there or whatever. He went to the hospital and they have reports and everything that it is, something actually happened to him. Do you remember that story at all? That, I uh, don't, but it does sound like there's particularly, they're, they're not just leprechauns. They each have their own names and, and variations and stuff. And that one sounds very much like the Far Darig, uh, which is the red man who uh, who is like the puka, likes to make people live a waking nightmare. Um, and it could be that the farmer at some point have hacked him off or damaged a fairy tree or something along those lines. This um, is real life. Yeah, and that sounds like the kind of thing you do. And, and people think struck, but the last official recorded, historically recorded leprechaun sighting was five miles from here in a place um, at the top of a hill. Uh, in 1958, official recorded leprechaun sighting in Ireland was as recent as 1958. It was ensconced in 1958, you bug. It was. 
The second time this. <laughs> and do you know we have found here and documented in the Vatican archives? No. Holy mackerel! Ensconce that. <laughs> no, and Scott, you wrote a beautiful article about Malachi Martin. It was on uh, Spooky Isles or. Both. I've done it for both dark yeah. hotels and speaking out. Is is he a um is he a very I don't know how to say it popular there or is it just for the people who are in the know with that kind of thing? He's actually do you know that to me it's a credit to the man that he's not that well known. Um you'd say especially when you go down to Kerry and Bally Longford and everything else, they'd know the family and they'd know where people are buried and everything else. And yes, he went away to become a priest. And they wouldn't have really, um, you see, back in those times that the Irish should be afraid to talk about that kind of thing for fear of damnation by the community and the church. Um, so never kind of widely talked about. Um, and it's only in recent years that the church has come out and said, look, we need help with these kind of things going yeah. on. Um, and of course, as you know yourself, he spent so much time in Europe and in America. Um, and you know, Ireland up until I suppose the 90s, it would have been quite insular, you know, it, it, it wouldn't really be taking that much notice of what was going on around the world, that the, the methods of passing on information weren't there. And you know, there was, you know, even up to kind of my, my parents. Uh, generation and and to be honest some of my generation still would be you know you can't talk about the Vatican you can't you know make accusations or this or that or the other so it, it, it would be a, a quiet thing so those of us in the know and in the field would be aware of him um, but not as a general population thing thank you but oh, what a man. And, and you've got to come over, Jimmy, and visit where he's from. It's one of the most beautiful parts of Ireland. I want to. It's on my bucket. When I was in college, I had a teacher that was, he was also a pastor of a church. And he would come in and he would teach, um, I think it was like Tuesday night or something. We only had him like once a week. And he came in one week and he was just, he looked out of it, his hair just everywhere and stuff. I'm like, what's going on with him? And he said, uh, I apologize. I was up all night uh, conducting an exorcism. And awesome. <laughs> we just like all lit up and like all half asleep in the class and everything. We're like, yes, that's great. <laughs> and um, like over time, he had become possessed himself. He came in uh, and like got addicted to painkillers and stuff and was like coming in like half asleep and everything and then after that and he was just like a totally different person after he did the exorcism but that's kind of how it goes isn't it jimmy if you do it long enough it does have an impact it did on on um on father martin didn't it you know that's, it took its toll that's what they say and and uh let's see a, a, a lot of us got a doozy afterwards scary stuff that's all I'll say about that. mm -hmm. yeah people say that's not real but it's 100 percent real 
Uh, I think I think you know that people will be more understanding and more um, almost respectful of, of of not only the paranormal field but also of, of the church and everything if they were taught these things in school, if they were made aware that these things happen, you know, rather than than fairy stories out of a big book. You know the, the the fact of how it does impact on life, and I I think there'd be. And to be honest, you know, you'd wonder would the world be in half the state it was. I was just telling somebody today, the lady at the bank. I said the things they taught us in school were so um, unnecessary. Like teach us how to balance a checkbook and and how to um, manage your money and about exorcisms and fairies, not about the life of a woodchuck. No, yeah, exactly. Although the woodchuck. It's a bit harsh. Woodchuck does the best he can, you know. He's just doing the best he can to try to get through life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hanging on by a thread or a twig. Yeah. So it's all. I was, I was telling Brandon that one day we homeschool him because schools are so crazy here. But uh, we were. I was telling him that one night, like we were going through his homework, and it was something ridiculous. And I said, you know, you're never going to use any of this junk in life. <laughs> Do you know, everyone keeps going, when am I going to use pie? When am I going to use mm-hmm. pie? And I go, I hate to tell you this, but I had a job where I had to use pie. Not eat pie, Jimmy. That's very you different. You used, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I had yeah. to use the three-point one. I had to use algebra well, that's, and that's pie. I never used the Pythagorean theorem ever, ever. <laughs> and I spent months on that. Anyway. I've been learning more about the Fibonacci sequence or something. Well, I know some of the fears that you have, Anne. Go on. Uh, the munchkins? Yes! The oh, no! Yes! <laughs> and I have the same ones. Oh, <laughs> I like everyone else is like, oh, the witch of the witch, the flying monkeys. I, I was like, forget them. The Those little monkeys are evil. The hat little... should have landed on them, man. Oh, oh they're awful. And the we should... Ooh. we should write a sequel. <laughs> where we where you just bounce an estate on them. We vanish. We vanquish the munchkins and ensconce them in a magic <laughs> globe. And then send it to outer space. Seen to. Yeah, send it to outer space. Like it's Superman. <laughs> send them out. Zod came out and everything. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And put the Oompalumpas in. And put in Alien Ant Farm for Sc- making Oompalumpas as part of their video. Screw them too. Yeah. <laughs> send the clowns. I work, in a, I work in a grocery store over here. And there's a girl that works in our uh, cafeteria over in the kitchen. Every time she walks by, I think she looks like an Oompa Loompa. So you would hate oh, her. Oh, no. <laughs> does she, does she, is it the old fake tan job, is it? Yeah. It's a whole, you know who they are? They're, they're all Oompa, I can't even say the word makes me feel saying it. You know, they're the, the what was called The OLs. The OLs. They're, there's like a whole... Um, they're like a cult now, aren't they? You see them 
the young girls that are orange with the dark hair and everything. They all want to be, you know. I don't know. Or bloopers. Yes. And some of them like to, to make themselves up like clowns, which I find terrifying. Me too. Yeah, it's not nice. There was a string of cases over here where um, people were dressing up like clowns and just hanging out in people's yards and stuff. And uh, Jimmy covered it on his show a couple of years ago, but it's kind of died down over here now. Did y'all ever have anything like that over there? Like people just hanging out on the street corners and stuff, dressed up like clowns? They'd try it once and someone would take a hole to the back of their head. And <laughs> <go> again. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, they, this, is, this is such a no-nonsense country, like... They don't have um, patience for that. Yeah, we're just, <laughs> no, just get away with your rubbish now. Get away with the crap. Go on, go and do something useful. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you don't have half the damage. You see, to, people are given too much attention, I think, in some places like, like in the US. Uh, here, it's like not a blind bit of notice. Do you know, you can have every TikToker going down the street and everyone just turn their chairs around and carry on talking, like, you know. That's nothing to you, Jimmy. I think I belong there. We actually have you. We have you on a big TikTok screen in the middle of our square. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> impressed by those TikTok. I'm on your square? Yeah. <laughs> I got to come visit. <laughs> it may turn out that it will float into space and, and float off or something. So you need to be careful. A lot down, I could be amongst the Oompa Loompas and Munchkins. Yeah. Until someone releases you, and then Super Anne biscuits. Thanks. Um, you see that a lot anymore, I'll, like the. I'll ensconce you all. <laughs> the TikTokers and the YouTubers and stuff like that are more popular than actual celebrities now. It's That's what I'm saying. I'm looking up the celebrity birthdays. They're all TikTok and YouTube personalities. One <laughs> kid was I... four years old. He's a celebrity. <laughs> it's like um, you you do that. You, you're scrolling through the news, and then you'll see, oh, so and so's died. And you're like, oh, I don't know them. And you click on it, and they'll go YouTube, and I'm like, ah, no, moving on, moving on. <laughs> yeah, it's Andy Warhol had a point, really, didn't he? <laughs> was it 50, fifteen minutes? Was it? Yeah, everyone everyone wants fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No thanks. No. Do you have any kind of? <laughs> do you have any kind of uh, conferences or anything like that coming up here in the near future? Um. Oh, what have we got now? Um. Got a few paranormal investigations set up over here. We've got a couple to go over to do in the UK. Uh, what do we do? I, I might. I'm actually looking to go into hiding for this Halloween because I have spent every Halloween for the last however many years working stuff, and I never get to enjoy Halloween. Um, so we were even asked to, to go and do um, an investigation as part of a big festival, um, kind of just outside of Dublin, and. It, it's like no, we want to actually enjoy it this year. Um, I hope to hit the US in twenty three and come and annoy 
Jimmy and maybe come down to Kentucky. I hey, go exploring. What are your pages uh, like for um, like so people could find you on Twitter and all that stuff? You'll find me if you put in Dark Emerald uh, or Anne Massey. I kind of come up. Um, yeah. And uh, Irish Paranormal Investigations is our group. And of course, spookyarls.com is where you come for everything you want to Lots know of about. good stories on there. Oh, yeah. We cover everything uh, the British Isles and uh, like Northern Ireland and uh, the South of Ireland, everything from folklore, horror. I saw some uh, UFO stuff on there. UFO, I've covered. I've I've covered a lot of UFO stuff. Dadliston messages. Yeah, yeah. Um, UFO Sp- stuff's brilliant. Spookyisles.com. Yes. Thank you. Have there been any big um, recent uh, UFO flaps and stuff of uh, <laughs> of just mass sightings over there? We've had, because um, I'm, I'm right by Shannon Airport, so we've, we've had a, a lot of instances where, um, you know, like kind of BA and Aer Lingus pilots and stuff have uh, seen plenty of unexplained things. And it, it's great to hear the, the, the talk over the radio where you hear them all coming in and reporting the same things. Um, there are certain parts of Ireland like uh, Wicklow and and out that way that would get more sightings. Um, and then there was a hilarious one. Uh, there was a load of people, was it in the 50s and 60s, um, in County Monaghan, there were tons of um, reports flying into all the, the local guard, guard stations or police stations um, where people were seeing these, these things floating in the sky like flying saucer. And it all seemed to be coming from over the Castle Leslie estate. And when they got there, um, it turns out um, uh, Sir Leslie was basically, uh, he was making a a low budget um, sci-fi film with, I think Patrick Moore was even in it as the guest. And uh, that's what it was. Um, but there's been plenty of unexplained stuff as well. So, I mean, when you when you've got the big skies above us, because obviously we're not unless you're in in Dublin City or Cork City, do you know we don't have the light pollution, so we're straight up to the the stars, and you've got that above you, and you've got the the thousands and thousands and thousands of years of history and burials below you. Bang! It's all gonna connect. I mean, Jimmy, we got to get over there sometime. That would be great. Yeah, it's got to be a Junebug and Jimmy road trip. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't do it by road because you might get wet. <laughs> hey, that sounds like a new sitcom, Jimmy and Junebug. <laughs> yeah. It would turn out to be a sitcom, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. There is... It doesn't matter what you're into as far as the supernatural goes. There's something for everybody here. Um, you know, from the Giant's Causeway down to the, the, the forest reaches of, of, of the, the ghosts of those that, uh, that didn't survive the Lusitania. And um, it's just 
you could talk about it and write about it. I could, if I was never to sleep and just write about these, I'd need to be a thousand years old before I'd finish, I'd say. Got zooks. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Egads. <laughs> Ensconced. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to say this is probably a world record for any podcast or show. Yeah, we got it. Ensconced. So, we won something anyway. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> we will be permanently ensconced in the Guinness Book of World Records. And your prize, Jimmy, is a raccoon. <laughs> thank you. Well, and we can't thank you enough for joining us here today. This has been it's great. Been- and the word I'd call it is surreal, but yeah, great as well. <laughs> it's been brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. It's, yes. it's very yeah, late there. It's, it, yeah, it's what is it? It's quarter past six in the evening. Oh, holy mackerel. It's past my bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I hope the werewolves and gnomes and pixies and aliens and black shucks don't get you tonight. That's all I'm saying. As as my mother would say, they might be taking you in, but they wouldn't be long bringing you back. Aww, (laughs) she's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) And we definitely got to do it again sometime. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ian. And that'll do it for this week's show. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, fellas.